Welcome to Cover to Cover, a podcast featuring musical conversations about an album or song which has changed and enhanced someone's life. I am your host, songwriter Matt Tarka. We humans connect with the presence of music in our own unique way. As an artist, a concert goer, through our headphones, or as something that simply lives in our everyday background. Our guest today comes to us from Alexandria, Virginia, by way of Freehold, New Jersey. He is one Brian Pagels. Brian is a guitarist, vocalist, and songwriter in a band known as the Beanstalk Library. And he's also the guitarist and vocalist in a band called Uptown Boys Choir. In terms of what Brian is currently working on creatively or what's inspiring him at the moment, uh, the Beanstalk Library uh, recently released a new single called Adelaide, which is on most digital platforms that you can get your hands on. Uh, He is also working on some new material for Uptown Boys Choir as well. In terms of any favorite sports or activities, uh, Brian mentioned that he is a pretty inconsistent sports viewer or follower these days, but he loves March Madness and the Olympics because they're relatively low commitment and very exciting. Uh, He also enjoys to ski and has recently been getting into yoga. In terms of any pet peeves or favorite foods, uh, Brian mentioned that he's very uncomfortable with conflict, which can make being in bands challenging at times. On the food front, uh, he loves to cook and he feels like he's always planning his next meal. Uh, he also mentioned that his mom's brisket is probably his absolute favorite food. For our conversation today, we are going to be discussing Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers' 1999 record for Warner Brothers titled Echo. Echo was recorded at Mike Campbell's home studio in Woodland Hills, California. It was produced by Tom Petty and Mike Campbell with Rick Rubin. Mike Campbell is also credited as lead engineer. It was mixed by Richard Dodd and mastered by Stephen Marcuson. This overall is the 10th Heartbreakers album and 12th Tom Petty album overall. It comes on the heels of Petty's divorce and late 90s heroin addiction. So those themes are very prominent on this record. Uh, Sadly, during this time, uh, recording bassist Howie Epstein's own heroin addiction became very obvious, which is reflected on the album cover. He uh, failed to show up for the photo shoot. He would eventually die about four years later, sadly. Without further ado, let's discuss with Brian Pagels, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, 1999 record titled Echo. Brian Pagels of the Beanstalk Library and Uptown Boys Choir, thanks for uh, coming on the show and spending some time today here on Cover to Cover. How are you? I, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Very excited to, to talk to you about this. Thank you. Uh, we're going to be discussing Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, uh, 1999 record, which was on Warner's uh, entitled Echo. And uh, before we get started, um, you know, you mentioned that you're from Freehold, New Jersey, which is also Bruce Springsteen's hometown. What was it like for you growing up in Freehold? And does Bruce's shadow still <laughs> loom relatively large there? Absolutely. I mean, there's there's almost no way it it, it could not. Um, yeah, you know, it was a great experience. Um, just to hit a couple of the highlights, uh, I one of the one of the first albums I remember owning was a cassette of Born in the USA when I was a 
uh, probably about three or four years old, uh, and I I wore that one to to death, um, you know, well before getting into the the rest of Bruce's catalog or or really understanding you know much more about uh, anything other than the fact that he came from where I came from. Um, but uh, but yeah, he, uh, he 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 certainly was a big presence. Uh, my mom actually uh, was in high school the same time he was, uh, though not in the same class. So we have we have like a yearbook in my parents' house, which has uh, Springsteen's uh, senior year uh, yearbook photo in it, uh, wow. which is kind of a fun little piece of memorabilia. Yeah. Um, and uh, the other kind of fun memory I have, you know, related to Springsteen, other than being a huge fan of his music and seeing him play countless times over the years, was um, in, in high school I was in marching band. And uh, my sophomore year, we, um, we, we did a tribute to Springsteen as our halftime show. And uh, Springsteen actually came to the Thanksgiving game uh, which was uh, the game between two the two freehold high schools, uh, basically, and he came and uh, and watched our what was actually our pregame show at the time, um, and so that was that was pretty cool. So I actually got to play for Bruce one time, albeit on the bass drum <laughs> or bass drums, as it were. Yeah, <laughs> that's really cool, Brian. I feel like this would be a good time to talk about Echo and. This is a 1999 record from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, the legendary Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Um, what inspired you to choose this particular offering from uh, the band? Yeah, so um, <laughs> it, it's I, I admit that it's kind of an interesting um, choice, interesting just 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 because of the fact that I, I don't think it's on a lot of people's radar as being. Um, Kind of a, a go a go to Tom Petty in the Heartbreakers album. Um, uh, Tom Petty, while he was alive, <laughs> uh, Mike Campbell and others in the band, I think mostly agree with that assessment. Um, so, <laughs> um, but but I never saw it that way. I think me, you know, I, I, I'm a child of, of the '80s. I grew up in the '80s, uh, and then really, um, you know, the '90s was the time when I was really um, discovering my my musical taste uh, and and discovering the kind of music I would eventually want to go on to to write and perform for the rest of my life and um, this was the first album really after kind of discovering Tom Petty that came out and I remember like when it was going to be released. Uh, it was the first album that I was like, oh, I know this Tom Petty album is coming out and I'm excited about it and I can't wait for <laughs> for it to be released so I can listen to it. Um, you know, prior prior to that, I had kind of heard about things that he had done after the fact. Um, but but this is the first the first album that I was really excited about. So I think it's it's sort of a nostalgia album for me in that way and that it was the first release of, of his and the Heartbreakers that I was actually anticipating. Um and then, boy, I mean, we'll, we'll get into it, but <laughs> yeah. the album itself just knocked me out. I mean, from the first track, uh, right when I put it on. So, um, so yeah, that's that's the that's, that's I guess the the most succinct way I could, I could put it. Brian, when you were, you said you're the child, you're a child of the '80s, and you started to really, um, you know, come into your own in the '90s with figuring out what the tastiest parts are of uh, your musical palette. And Tom Petty is 
it sounds like he's certainly a part of that. Um, did did you discover Tom as an artist, you know, on your own, or was there some sort of a, a relative or you know a, a, some sort of friend in the picture that was uh, you know that you were growing up with around the same time that said, yeah, Tom Petty is uh, this this guy's for real. You know, I really connect to his music. How did that how did that come about for you? I would certainly not be able to say this for every artist that I'm that I'm a huge fan of, but with with Tom Petty, I remember the exact moment I was introduced to him, and uh, and and it was uh, it was kind of an, an instant connection. It was one of those moments where like a light bulb went off in my in my yeah. head. Um, I was I was at a relative's house who who had cable. It was it was. Probably 1990, I want to say. It could have been 89. It was probably 90. Um, and we didn't have cable in my house growing up, but my relative did. So whenever I was over someone's house, whomever it may have been, babysitter or whatever, who had cable, the first thing I would do would be switch on MTV. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, um, and I'm sitting there by myself in like this loft in all my glory watching MTV and the video for free falling came on mm-hmm. and i i was just mesmerized by how cool this guy was strumming his guitar going up and down like this mall escalator yeah <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> and 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 i remember that exact moment i i said to myself like i i must be like that like that that is <laughs> that is like who i want to be <laughs> that guy is so cool and 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 being so cool in in such an easygoing and distinct way, I, it, every, everything about it just just really spoke to me, um, and so that was really my introduction to Petty. Um, and I you know I, I remember asking my parents about him and who he was, and, and of course they were familiar with his material and and whatever. But but you know I, w- I was still pretty young at that point, so I I I wasn't I wasn't like going out and and, and buying his albums uh, right then. Um, but then after that. Um, uh, a good friend and I, uh, who who started playing music together uh, when we were in middle school, um, you know that w- that was right around the time period of uh, Greatest Hits and Wildflowers, which basically, I mean, that was a huge moment in in Petty's career. It, it, they came kind of right on the back of of one another, um, and you know those were those were both uh, amazing kind of introductions, uh, you know, beyond that initial. Uh, video uh, to, yeah. to, to his to his music and the Heartbreakers music. So uh, that's really how it got started for me. Nice. That would have been 93, 94, if my memory serves correctly. One with the 93 being greatest hits and then 94 sometime like early to mid-94 for, for Wildflowers. Um, we're talking with Brian Pagels right now on Cover to Cover with Matt Sarka. And uh, Brian, do you think that Echo is a significant departure from Petty's previous work in the nineties or um, well before then? Or do you think that um, in a lot of respects, the tracks that you hear on this entire full length record are a continuation of things that he had been working towards? Uh, I, I, I don't think it's a huge departure. I, I think it's, um, you know, I, I, if, if you were to ask me what, my kind of favorite period of of Petty's uh career in terms of his output would be um 
I would I would say you know the period kind of roughly between um, you know Wildflowers kind of era. I would inc- I would include you know the 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 couple of new tracks that they um, that they contributed to the uh, the greatest hits album. Right, from, yeah, going it, from there, uh, yeah, Mary Jane's Last Dance and and the um, and the cover of uh, Something in the Air. Yeah, so yeah. kind of kind of going from that up through um, the last DJ. Uh, which came out, I think, in 2002, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 2002. Yep. So, so t- to me, like that—that's the period of petting the heartbreakers that I always come back to. Again, p- partially that's, I think, in part due to the nostalgia, um, because it was the, you know, that was that was the period where I was really discovering Petty and and all that great music, including all the back catalog via Greatest Hits. Um, but, uh, you know. I, in terms of the like, what attracts me to Echo, I I think like the the sound, I think there's definitely some continuity um, between Wildflowers um, and uh, and and Echo. Like I think they they definitely um, sound of a piece, kind of with with each other to to me to me to my ear, um, and but. I like the playing on Echo more. I think from from the kind of full Heartbreakers perspective, it's not quite as like restrained as. And I love Wildflowers. Let me just put that. I mean that you know, <laughs> I, I absolutely adore that album. Uh, I would love to make an album that sounds like that at some point. Um, but yeah. I, I I really think like Echo sounds like a band album, which it is. It's billed as a band album, whereas Wildflowers, even though it features essentially the same personnel is not billed as a band album. And I think that shows in the playing. And that, I think that's what I, uh, what I'm really responding to. Yeah. This was a period of time with echo where you had Steve Ferroni with wildflowers under his belt. And then fast forward five years and you have, uh, you could, you could argue a real, a more solidified percussion section. Oh, I, absolutely. I, I think uh, you know, he's, he's, he's at this point, he, um, he's really playing as a member of the band, you know, he's, he's, he's toured with the band, you know, at, at this point. So he's definitely more of a, um, more of a member kind of, you know, playing, I think more, they're playing more cohesively as a unit at this, at this point in time and in, in, in no, um, you know, I'd say largely to actually for Ronnie's playing. <laughs> um, yeah. I think he really, he's really the glue. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We are uh, talking with Brian Tagles here on cover to cover with Matt Sargon. Brian, this feels like a good time to talk about the tracks that comprise this record. Would you like to uh, go, you know, would you like to go track by track? Would you like to pick out, you know, a couple of your all time favorites from this record? Um, we'll be guided by you. Uh, sure. Well, so there's 15 tracks, <laughs> um, uh, which I, I I went back and checked, which is which is actually the same number of tracks as as uh, Wildflowers. They both are are 15 track albums uh, because you know this this was the CD era where <laughs> everyone yeah. was everyone was trying to to fill fill a disc, um, and uh, and so you know I I think l- largely. Um, people reflect on this era by criticizing the length of albums. Um, 
for an artist like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, the length of an album never really bothered me because it was just more great music to listen to, you, you know? Absolutely. Um, yeah. If, if they were essentially doing what, you know, at an earlier period of time would have, would have been a double album, great. Like, that's all. I, I just have more Tom Petty music to listen to. Um, but that being said, you know, it, it, you know, I, I, I do think um, there's probably I, I do like listening to every track in this album. Um, if if I were forced to, I could probably cut a couple um, to to make it, um, uh, you know, a, a, maybe a bit more consistent um, as as an effort. Um, so I think for this conversation, I'll just pick out a couple that um, that I think really exemplify the the album's strengths um starting from the first track room at the top um i think is an amazing song for so many reasons it's it's one of the songs i um whatever associate with i'm drawn to um lyrically i just think the the lyrics on on this song in particular and a lot of the album are are just phenomenal um, in the way that Teddy can um, kind of draw from personal experience without being too explicit or opening up quite so much, um, which I think is reflected on, on, on a number of tracks here, but just through kind of the delivery and the word choice, um, it, it, it sort of uh, makes you understand and feel and empathize with what's behind like those sunglasses on the album cover, but also like speak directly to you. Um, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's really a, an interesting trick. And um, I, I, I don't know how, how he did it. Um, so Ruby at the top is, is one of those songs, I think from a lyrical perspective that I just love. I also adore um, both uh Mike Campbell and Ben Montent just playing uh, in the solo section of the song. Mm-hmm. Um, they take this kind of like psychedelic approach uh, to playing here. I mean, the whole production of it's really great. And I think a lot of that's driven by Campbell, um, actually, from what, I, from what I've read about the album. Um, but, but yeah, the solo section, I think, is, is awesome. Largely a departure from the type of parts and playing um, Campbell and Tench had done previously. So, um, you know, I, I, it, that's just like a joy, a joy to listen to. Room at the Top is, is certainly one um, that that I, I will I will always come back to. Um, you know, holds a special place in my heart. Um, the um, Counting on You, I think, is another great song. Um, but like, just to to pinpoint one moment where I think it's so great is. Uh, in the in the last chorus, Petty gives this vocal delivery and holds out this high note on the word "you," which you like in the moment you think it's never going to end, and it's like so perfectly nailed. Right. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you, you've you've responded to that as well, but I, that the first time I heard that, I was like, "Oh man, he killed that vocal part." <laughs> yes. Yeah. You just completely knocked it out. The whole attitude and presentation of Counting on You, um, it feels a lot, Brian, like a sonic forerunner to the last DJ in some respects. It would come out three years later. I, I can't really describe it in any sort of you know, concrete way, but there's just, from a production point of view, just that, mm-hmm. that 
that lyrical presentation, that's just, I don't know. I feel like this is, this is him like kind of demonstrating what he might want to do on, you know, some sort of future album. We just don't know it yet as the listener in 1999. Right. Well, and what's weird to me about uh, like a vocal take like that, for example, is um, having, having read um, the Petty biography by Warren Zanes, when you read about, you know, this, this period, not only, not only do you read about, uh, Petty's, you know, heroin addiction, uh, in, in the late nineties, which I, I honestly, I've got to, I've got to say, like, until I read the biography, I was not aware that it was still sort of ongoing during the recording of the album. Uh, I thought it had been done kind of prior to that. I thought, I thought he'd, he'd crushed that before the album, but it, but it seems like he hadn't really, um, given it up until the tour. Um, so, uh, so there were, you know, there, there were moments where he really wasn't very present uh, for a lot of this album, um, and there, you know, there's there's talk of him kind of coming in uh, to some of the sessions with a cane and not really wanting to work long hours. And um, Rick Rubens, uh, who who who's a produ- producer on the album, who is a producer on the album, <laughs> there's a there's a bit of a story uh, with respect to that as well, um, but. Uh, he's kind of using these, um, you know, uh, I forget what it's called, but essentially like a poetry, like word guide um, just to help Petty think about ideas for lyrics and to help, you know, jog the, the creative side of things. And I listen to, to the lyrics on the album and some of these vocal deliveries from Petty, and I'm just like, I just, I just can't believe that was the case. Uh, but it's, it's, you know, it's well-documented now. And, and so I guess it was true. So the fact that he was able to pull this out of him at that point in time, I think, um, just speaks to what an amazing artist he was. Like, I can't, I can't think of any other way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are a lot of really interesting, like bluesy kind of stabbing guitar lines from Mike Campbell on this track too. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, Campbell, um, as I mentioned, you know, C- Campbell, I think, really was the the guiding force uh, in terms of holding this album together. Um, in the in the book, it said, you know, he he really had to kind of step up and play play more of a more of a lead role, and 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 in some respects, even even offer um, some more distinct and in some cases like flashier guitar parts than he was used to playing on 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 Petty Records. Mm-hmm. Um, on Heartbreaker Records, I guess, and um, you know, and I, and I think that definitely shows. Maybe that's one of the reasons why I why I love it because when I think about the guitarists who have you know most most inspired me in my playing um, over the years, like Mike Campbell is is certainly I would say in the top three, um, and I, I just love his tasteful approach and also his versatility, and I think. All of that really comes through on this album. He's really, he's really cut loose. Maybe, maybe because he felt like he had to cut loose um, yeah. to give some of these tracks like some more, some additional um, energy and emotional depth. But uh, I say great <laughs> because that's that's awesome too. Yeah, we're talking to Brian Pagels right now on Cover to Cover with Matt Harkis, specifically about Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers' 1999 record on Warner's. Titled Echo, and uh, 
Brian, what other tracks are just absolute standouts for you? We've talked about Room at the Top. We've talked about Track 2, Counting on You. What, uh, what, what other tracks just really just kind of, you know, grab you by the neck and say, listen to me? Yeah, so, you know, I, I've uh, – I think, you know, so right out the gate, the first couple tracks I think are, are really amazing, um, uh, including Free Girl Now. So that was that was the single – um, at least the lead single kind of kind of coming off of the album. Um, interestingly, I read that it was I, I didn't I didn't remember this from the time, but I read that it was uh, I think the second track ever to be offered from a major label artist as a free download. Um, and it, oh. that, I I think that was like somewhat short lived. <laughs> um, but uh, but anyway, just kind of inter- interesting factoid about that song, but. Just you know, another just great like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers rocker, um, you know, at like a lyrically um, kind of a um, kind of an interesting interesting approach. I mean, I, I had always sort of interpreted the song. <laughs> um, uh, I, I sort of like took took it uh, at its word, like on the on the first level. I saw it. I, I sort of like saw it as like a a female empowerment song. I've read after the fact that um, it's really kind of you know petty at at like kind of being bitter <laughs> once once again kind of bitter at the at the at the end of his uh, long and really troubling uh, relationship with with his wife that he had I guess just been in the process of of uh, going through a divorce uh, with at, at the time of the recording of this album. Um, but in any respect, I, I still think it's a it's a it's a great song, and I think maybe both. Both sides of that coin may, in fact, be, be kind of kind of true with respect to the lyrics. I'm I'm at least holding out hope for that. Um, so you know, love that track. I mean, the others, um, the, the title track itself, uh, I think you know, uh, not to be cliche, but just hauntingly beautiful. Um, Echo, you know, it uh, it's I think the longest track on the album, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's it, it's, uh, it's about six and a half minutes. Um, but you still don't want it to end. Like it's that it's that good. Um, and also features another like great Mike Campbell guitar solo. Um, again, kind of cutting loose, taking a somewhat different approach than maybe you've heard him take uh, on on prior cuts. Um, so so that song. And and, and again, that, that's another one where where the the lyrics just take a take a dagger to your heart. It's it's like so. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it's, it's so cutting and, and, and so like sadly beautiful. Um, I love that one. I've wondered about whether or not this song was kind of him talking to his kids about trying to beat this addiction. I, no, you know what? I, I, I totally agree. Um, like to me, to me, um, the, the sign of a, of a great song is, uh, at, at least lyrically is when you can you can almost isolate one word or or one phrase from a song um that uh that really um what am i trying to say that that kind of you know just ju- just that on its own uh maybe changes the whole meaning of the of the song or gives it greater depth and and the fact that that line where he says daddy had the crash and the fact that he like uses the word daddy yeah. Um. Really, really, to your point, like makes it sound like he's speaking to his kids. 
And I, I think that's like a really personal and, and, and touching and beautiful moment. So I'm, I'm with you. Like, I, I think that's very likely, um, what, even if, even if like consciously that's what wasn't exactly what was yeah. going on in his mind, I, I think that's likely the source of that. Yeah. I, I mean, holy cow. I mean, the, the, the previous five years for him, you know, with full moon fever into the great wide open wildflowers, I mean, back to back to back, whether it was solo or with the entire uh, band of heartbreakers, all just excellent records in their own right. And he must have felt like it was all bound to happen. He was burning the candle at both ends, continuously writing songs, continuously touring. Oh, and then, you know, couple all of those three records with um, with, with uh, recording songs with the Traveling Wilburys. I mean, the guy was just bound to just you know, become unspooled after a while. Yep. I totally uh, agree. Yeah. I mean, Echo, from a vocal point of view, I, it's it's got this sort of like mid-60s blonde on blonde vibe to it for some reason. I don't know if uh, if he was going for that kind of uh, vocal uh, tenor tonality to his voice, but it just, yeah, just, uh, he was, yeah, it just, it sounded a little villain-esque in, in some places here it's a gorgeous song uh, i agree and and you know well with petty i mean the, his his um you know he, dylan uh is, is an interesting figure with petty because he um he was obviously an influence right um on, on him but then but then also a peer also like a, a boss and a and yeah. a peer um yeah. in the it, from the time when the when the heartbreakers backed up Dylan um on that tour uh and then and then also with the traveling mulberries and so um yeah, you know, it's, it's i think it's probably pretty natural for for a lot of that to to seep in um also you know Petty Dylan and George Harrison all kind of share that um kind of nasally vocal quality um that i think it i think that's not put on right to a large extent by 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 any of them like that's just what they sound like when they sing certain types of songs um but i find it interesting that um that they that those three kind of all gravitated gravitated toward one another i mean especially petty and harrison and and the deep bond that they that they established um absolutely i I think it's interesting that 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 they sound a lot alike <laughs> in addition yeah. to having similar influences and whatnot. So definitely we are talking with Brian Pagels here on cover to cover with Matt Tarka about, we are discussing Tom Petty's echo and uh, Brian, we've covered the title track. We've covered free girl now counting on you and room at the top. Um, out of these 15 tracks, what, what other songs would you like to talk about? Um, you know the, the last the last couple that I'll mention um, are um, no more rhino skin and then one more day one more night so three of the last four tracks from the album uh, I think um, I would say you know this similarly to uh, to wildflowers where um, you know often you think of the end of an album particularly the end of an album that has so many tracks um, as maybe kind of tapering off. Um, but I think I think both uh, Wildflowers and Echo include um, some of the some of the strongest and most moving um, tracks for a variety of reasons right toward the end. Um, and so these are these are no exception here. So 
um, no, no more. I, I take, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful acoustic, um, you know, acoustically driven number. And I think it really, um, to, to me, that's like the clearest song where it's, it's, it's Petty basically saying, um, I, I'm, I'm going to quit this thing. Like, uh, <laughs> whether that happened to be like his, uh, his very tumultuous, um, uh, uh, relationship with, with his ex-wife, uh, or or his his drug habit, or his depression, or whatever it happened, like any number of things that he was struggling with that, at that moment. Um, I always found that to be a very, um, you know, a, a, a pretty touching and also inspiring song. Um, mm-hmm. So I love that one. Um, and then there's a lot of uh, I, I find a similar spirit in, in Rhino Skin, and then in the last track, One More Day, One More Night, just like the spirit of resiliency. You know, like Rhino Skin is um, is just like actually like a, a more like poetic take in a way on I won't back down, right? It's it's like yeah. it's basically it's basically um, you know. Uh, Petty saying that this this <laughs> this world is cruel and 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 uh, here's a take on it that someone like only like Tom Petty could um, could make you know delivering lines like uh, you need elephant balls if you don't want to crawl on your hands <laughs> through this world I mean it's yeah. kind of, it's like sort of comedic in a way mm-hmm. um, but um, but also you know really strongly t- gets the gets the point across. Um, and then you know, just to to close it out here, the, you know, one more night, one more, one more day, one more night, rather, um, is uh, is just like this classic final song. I lo- I love a last track that's in that's in six eight that has like that that feel to it. For some reason, I'm I'm always like when, whenever whenever I like feel the rhythm on a last track, and I know it's going to be this, this kind of like six eight gorgeous like ballad yeah I, that that just hits me in in like the sweet spot and i and i and i'm like yes, I'm, i love this choice i don't care how many times it happens it doesn't matter to me right <laughs> um and then of course you know cl- closing it out and i i find the song to be again i mean you can interpret it in a number of different ways um i i i choose to interpret this song as as being inspirational and kind of pointing toward uh, you know, Petty's kind of rebirth and, uh, you know, kind of moving, moving out of this really dark period, uh, into the light. Um, and, um, and, and, and again, Mike Campbell kind of directing us there with, with another beautiful kind of soaring guitar solo at the end of the track, uh, while, while Petty's, uh, you know, re- repeating that chorus line uh, a couple of times in the background. Just, just a perfect end of the album, I think. I, I could not agree with you more, Brian. We're talking with Brian Pagels here on Cover to Cover with Matt Sarkin. Brian, I like to ask a question towards the end of each episode, and it's usually about cover art. And uh, you know, as we both know, we um, you know we live in this just wild world where everything is always moving incredibly fast. Everything's easily accessible with just a you know a click of a few buttons on a smartphone. And but one thing that's never changed is uh, the appearance of cover art supporting new music uh, that gets released. When you look at either the front cover, back cover, any portions of the liner notes, what kinds of imagery is conjured up in your mind? 
Yeah. So the so one thing that came to mind is um, you know if, if you if you look across all of the Tom Petty and the Heartbreaker album covers, um, personally, I don't think any of them are that great. <laughs> like um there 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 tends to be like nothing that artistic going on. It's usually like just some shot of Tom like sometimes with a guitar, sometimes, you know, strolling along whatever. It's it's just like it's just a shot of Tom. It's not particularly I don't think like artistic. Um and you know, it just it just is what it is. Uh and that's fine. Like the, in that way, kind of the music really speaks for itself. I mean, sometimes um, it sets a tone, I, I suppose. But uh, I guess I'm thinking of like "Damn the Torpedoes" uh, in, in particular. But um, but yeah, you know. So so I don't I don't think he really has like a pretty high bar for for cover art. Um, and so I think a lot of people might consider uh, the Echo cover um, to be <laughs> just just one of a kind with that. Um, but I actually think it's maybe slightly more interesting than a lot of the other covers uh, from, um, from from the Petty and the Heartbreakers career uh, for a couple of reasons. Um, now, I'd be remiss without saying um, that uh, interesting uh, term, uh, interesting composition choice in terms of who's in the, the, the album cover shoot in terms of yeah. personnel. Yeah. Um because uh Howie Epstein, who had been a member of the band for about fourteen, fifteen years at the time, uh is not on the cover. Uh the bassist. And uh sadly that that was basically due to his own uh really terrible struggle with, with heroin. Um he just didn't show up for the day of the shoot. Uh and that and that that struggle would ultimately get him kicked out of the Heartbreakers, um, and then uh, a couple of years later, uh, unfortunately, lead to his, to his premature death as well. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so Epstein, you know, for a variety of reasons, not, not on the cover. Um, of course, you've got Petty, uh, Ben Montench, and Mike Campbell. I think in that order, essentially, kind of lining up, um, t- uh, going from kind of front center to the back left, and then. Uh, Scott Thurston, I believe it is, uh, off off to the right, uh, which who was sort of kind of an adjunct member of the Heartbreakers, who was brought on um, uh, earlier in the '90s to uh, to tour with the band uh, and ultimately contribute because he was a multi instrumentalist and could sing high harmony parts and 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 whatnot. So he was pretty well established by that point. So I don't I don't fault uh, Scott Thurston for being for being you know on the cover. Uh, that being said, no Steve Ferroni either. Don't know where he was that day. I haven't heard any, anything about that. Um, you know, and I'm not sure exactly at that point in time, like what his status was in terms of the Heartbreakers as a partnership or whatever kind of legal agreements they had. He may have still been sort of considered a hired gun uh, who was, you know, for all intents and purposes, a part of the band uh, and that he was uh, recording and, and performing with them. But but maybe not on the level of, of, of being on the album cover. So whatever reason, you know, interesting composition in terms of the personnel, um, in terms of the shot itself, you know, I, I think it actually speaks pretty well to the album. I think like the stark black and white, um, is, is the right kind of palette for, for this, 
supportive album, um, which which can be pretty stark at times. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think the choice of having the band on the album rather than just Petty. I mean, a, lo- a number of Heartbreakers albums just have Petty on the cover. So I think having any representation of the band on the cover uh, also speaks volumes to the fact that um, it, it really was a band record and, and captured them largely playing live in Mike Campbell's home studio um, at the time of, of recording. Um, so that's another thing that dawned on me. And then, as I sort of mentioned earlier, um, I think, you know, Petty with his sunglasses on, apparently he was showing up a lot with sunglasses on at this period of time um, mm-hmm. due to everything we've already talked about. Um, but I also think, um, you know, he's got the sunglasses on and they're kind of standing behind that, like, shrubbery or, you know, whatever it is in, in the foreground. And it's almost like Petty is trying to hide you know, behind the sunglasses and to, to not reveal something, right? And also behind um, uh, this uh, the shrubbery and whatnot in the in the foreground. Uh, but he's not doing a very effective job of it <laughs> because everyone <laughs> still knows, you know, who who this who this uh, icon icon is. Um, and it not not to be like too self indulgent here, um, but it actually reminds me of a lyric I wrote on a song that's somewhat. Uh, well, there's a de- there's a demo version of it, but it's not it's not been kind of released in any official capacity ever. Um, but the line is, "You can't hide it in winter. Um, the naked trees, uh, the white on green." Uh, and so it, it's it, it actually sort of makes me think of that line, or at least where I was in my head when I was writing that lyric. Um, you know, basically the fact that um, you know in, in in winter you can't you can't really hide behind trees essentially because there's no foliage. Right. right. Um, and so it, it sort of makes me, uh, I don't know that, that, that just sort of dawned on me as I was thinking about this cover and, and, and my personal feelings about it. Uh, and, and maybe, maybe what Teddy was considering at the time as well. So that's, uh, that's, that's my reaction to it. <laughs> maybe that was more than you hoped for. <laughs> no, no, I think that's great. Brian, it's been such a pleasure having you on the program. Thanks so much for coming on and talking about uh, Tom Petty with us. This has been great. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. All right. My thanks to Brian Pagels for taking some time to stop by Cover to Cover today. For all of you listeners out there, thank you so very much. And please remember to hit that subscribe button on that device in which you listen to your favorite podcast, whether it's Google Play, Stitcher, Apple, or TuneIn. Take a moment to tell a friend or family member about our show. Let us know how much you like the show by giving us a good rating. It will certainly help us appear higher in those search results. And feel free to drop us a line at hello at covertocoverconversations.com. Intro and outro music of our podcast is produced by Jarrett Nicolay at Mixtape Studios in Northern Virginia. We hope you discovered some new music, perhaps rekindled your love for an old forgotten song, and shared a good moment with us as we continue to sonically explore a world from cover to cover.